Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Today I want to talk to you. I just want to give you, I believe it's going to be a single message. I thought about titling this, uh, what I was going to be doing, a series called Summertime Walks. Um, And the reason I thought about that was because, you know, a a couple of weeks ago, I was able to go on vacation with my family. And when I go on vacation with my family, uh, it is family time. And this time it was really family time because we had a lot of people, uh, just a lot of, it was just a lot going on, right? And so to find personal time for yourself on family vacation was a little bit tough. Uh, But I love going on family vacation to find those personal moments where I'm just alone with God walking on the beach or walking somewhere and so I found an opportunity to do that a couple of times, and there were some things the Lord spoke to my heart, and I was going to do these in a series, but I think there was just really one message that really resonated for me personally that I really felt like the Lord dropped it into my heart for you all as a congregation. And so I want to, I want to, I want to share with you um, that particular message and how I came to that message, and really I believe there is um, a word for everyone here in that message that would help us. And so I'm going to use 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 as our foundational text for today's message. And we'll read that. And then we'll just pray and believe God for what he has for us today. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, great. We're going to need some response with this one. I can promise you that. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always, everybody say always, always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much that you're so good to us. Thank you so much that your word is true. And I just thank you, Father, that as we bring forth your foundational principles of your word, that they establish those principles, that you establish those principles in the hearts of each person here. That we embrace these, Father God, and we practice these in our lives so that we can walk in the victory that you've called us to walk in and so that we can be the blessing that you've called us to be to others. We give you praise and thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I said, you know, this message was dropped during, in my heart during family vacation. And as I said, you know, during the hustle and bustle of that vacation, I had some time to get away and really just seek the Lord really about some things that you know, in the normal course of a work week, you're pretty busy, right? And there are things that just the, the, the drone of life, you know, the pace of life, you're dealing with those things. Uh, and although I have devotional time where I get alone with God, I'm typically seeking him about those day-to-day things. Uh, but as I was really seeking the Lord and, and praying about some things, there was a particular, a few things that I was, to be frank with you, just frustrated about. How many you ever been frustrated before? I was extremely frustrated. Not only was I frustrated, I I was frustrated to the point that I was a little bit defeated in my mind about these things. How many of you have been there before, right? And not only that, but not only was I frustrated and defeated, but I'll I'll go a step further and and I'll say this. I was a little bit angry at God. How many of you have ever been angry at God before? How many of you can be honest about it? I was was honestly, I I was angry, not in a disrespectful way, how many of you realize that he's your friend and, he, and, and we should be able to communicate with him what's going on in our lives if we want to hear from him how to get out of those situations, right? So I was just walking and, you know, keeping the pace up and it was hot and steamy and I'm sweating and, and I, was, I was angry. I was just in, in my, the spirit of my mind, I was communicating with God and I was expressing to him, Lord, look, I, I, this is not the way it should be. 
I'm not, I'm not seeing in these areas in my life the victory that you say I should have. And I was honestly uh, uh, just angry because I was like, God, I, these things have been this way for quite some time and it seems like they haven't moved, they haven't changed. And I was really a bit frustrated with God about this. I wasn't frustrated because very quickly I, I did it in a respectful way because I, can, you know, I, I always come back to this mindset of God, even though I'm frustrated, I recognize the problem is not you. How many of you realize if you're delayed in an answer that you're looking for from heaven, the, the problem is never God? It's never Him. And so I was respectfully you know, uh, approaching Him with that mindset but being honest with Him about my anger and my frustration and sort of the defeated you know, burden I was carrying around and I was expressing that to Him. And as I was expressing that to Him, you know, I was trying to stay humble and, and recognize that. And, and, so, uh, and so how many of you realize when you go through situations like that, it's important that you do take the time to be honest with God about those frustrations? I will tell you that some people would consider that, and you know, we're a church that believes in standing in faith and standing on the promise and not wavering and not relinquishing our hold on in faith, and, and that's really important, and I'm going to address that in this message, but, but you, some people would consider coming to God with your frustration, even your potential anger over the situation, would consider that a breach in your faith, but it's not a breach in your faith. It's actually a confidence in your relationship with him that you can be honest with him to the point that he... See, God wants you to be honest with him in that situation. Why? Because it's when you get to that raw place of honesty with him that he can actually speak to you what you need to hear. How many of you realize you need to hear some things by the Spirit of God in your life? See, there may be some things you know in your head, but he hasn't spoken it to you in your heart personally during a time and a moment with him that brings it alive. And I needed that in my life. I needed God to speak to me, show me, because I honestly, I, I spent months over some of these situations looking and evaluating myself, saying, Lord, I know the problem's not you, so where can I fix it? What can I do to change things? And to be frank with you, over months of it, I didn't find that much. Not because I'm perfect. Let me realize I'm not perfect. My wife was in here. She'd say amen to that. But there wasn't a lot of exposed things like, this is really wrong, and you've got to fix this, Tommy. That's what the problem is. And so it led, that even led to more frustration. Like, come on, God. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm trying to be honest. Show me that little speck that I got. And how many realize even that's just putting your trust in yourself, not in the blood of Jesus? So I'm sitting there frustrated. How many have ever been at that place in your life? Maybe you are now. Maybe you've been in that, at that spot now where you're just so fed up with things being the way they are and they haven't changed yet, even though God's Word says in our opening text that He always gives us a victory. How many have ever been there before? I have been there, amen, many times in my life. And so it's important for us to understand that, that we, we have to have those moments where we come before God in honesty and sincerity. Now, I will tell you, you have to do it respectfully. It's one thing to come to God and point the finger at Him and say, this is your fault. That's not respectful, that's not humble, and that's the wrong attitude. But to come before him and say, God, I am frustrated because I know what your word says and I know what you say you do and I am not seeing it right now even though I'm standing, confessing, believing and, and holding on for it, right? It's important to do that. Matter of fact, David understood this principle and practiced this principle. How many of you know who David is in the Bible, right? The one that killed Goliath, king, right? And David was considered to be a man after God's own heart. But I want you to notice this man of faith after God's own heart 
what he wrote down for everybody to see throughout the ages of time. Psalm chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, David said, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? How many of you have ever been there before? Forever? I mean, that's sort of sarcastic, isn't it? That's sort of where we're at sometimes. But David was secure in his relationship with the Lord enough to bring this concern to him. See, some people think if I bring that kind of concern, he's, going to he's not going to strike you down. He wants you to be honest. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will many my enemies have the upper hand? I mean, this was not a good situation for him, right? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eye or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. David was in this spot of frustration, this spot of feeling defeated, this spot of even looking at God and saying, well, how long will you wait, right? Now I will tell you this, you know, this should not be the theme of our conversation with God. Because if that's every conversation we have with God, then we're not walking in faith. But it's not a breach in your faith when you have those moments where you're weak and you're tired and you've been standing to come before God in that personal place and say, God, here is where I am. This is my frustration. That is perfectly biblical to do that. But then quickly you must make the turn once you do that to but I'm going to believe this. And notice we see that with David here in Psalm chapter 13 and verse 5. The very next verse he says, but. Everybody say, but. He says, how long, God, but. And this was the spot I was in. How, notice what he said, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So David, here's what he did. He said, Lord, I'm frustrated. I'm turned out. I'm mad. I'm angry. This hasn't changed. How long is it going to take for you to show up and do what I know you can do? Right? But then he said, but... In spite of all that I see, in spite of all my frustration, I'm going to let my heart still trust in the fact that you still love me. And we sing that song, you know, his love is a powerful thing. Letting your life be built upon the foundation of the fact that no matter what you're going through, he still loves you, right? In those circumstances, in that situation where I was frustrated, that's what it came back to. Lord, I'm frustrated, but I know you love me. I know you'd never fail me. So what's going on? How do I get out of this situation? And notice what David did. He turned his heart to the unfailing love of God, and the unfailing love of God reminded him of a couple of things. First, it reminded him of this. He says, I, I, I trust in your unfailing love because you've done something in my past. He said, I, I trust in your unfailing love because, what does he say? You have rescued, past tense me. Right? He said, I trust in your love because I recognize I've been in situations like this in the past and you have delivered me. Right? And then he let that remembrance of what God had potentially done in the past that he couldn't see operative in his life right now to remind him of something else. He said, therefore, verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Because he is good to me, he says, I'm going to let that love remind me that God is a good God. Everybody say, God is a good God. 
And from that mindset of me walking during that time at the beach, I got to tell you, I almost want, I got to tell you, I'm not in the greatest shape. I can go, you know, we climbed Cascade Falls yesterday, and uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a pretty good task. Used to be, I'd, I would have run Cascade Falls when I was young. I'd run up and run back down. Well, I got to tell you, when the Lord dealt with me in this situation, by the time he spoke to me what I needed to hear, I wanted to run. Not just walk, because I was so excited about what he said to me. See, what this verse is, is David said, he said, look, I'm going to let the remembrance of your love remind me that you're good, you've been good to me in the past and you're going to be good to me in the future. As I thought about that, as I was walking, I heard, not in my ears, but in my heart, the Spirit of God say something to my heart. And I believe that he spoke it to my heart, but I believe this morning he wants me to speak it to you as a, everybody say rhema. Now, rhema is where I went to Bible college, but rhema is actually a Greek word for the word word, right? And that Greek word means God-breathed word. See, there's one thing to look at the, the, in the Scripture. You see the other, the, the other uh, Greek word for word is the word logos. And you can, you can look at the logos. The logos is the written word, right? So in our lives, we can know what the written word says, but until it becomes rhema to us, until the Spirit of God speaks it to us in our own personal heart. That's why as a believer, you've got to have a personal relationship with Christ. You can't have one based on your daddy's belief. You can't have one based on your mama's belief. It has to be something personal on the inside of you that God has made real to you, and you've embraced it. And so in those moments of frustration, there are times in your life where you don't, Need, now you need the logos because that's the foundation, but you need the expansion of the logos of it turning into a rhema word for you. So I was in this point of frustration. God spoke a rhema word to my heart. And I want to give it to you this morning to your hearts. As I was frustrated and walking along and saying, God, I don't understand. Why hasn't this changed? How long will you wait? What is going on? Why, why, why are you delaying, Lord? I'm a little angry. What's going on? I heard this phrase. You ready for it? If it's not good yet, then I'm not done yet. If it's not good yet, then I'm not done yet. As I was thinking about that, I think what the Lord, I'm sorry, if it's, not, if it's not good yet, it's not done yet. As I was thinking about that, I thought about the fact that just because my situation isn't good right now, I had embraced the mindset that this is what I'm set with. I stopped thinking about, all I could see was the mess, all I could see was the problem, and I could not recognize that God wasn't done yet. He was still working behind the scenes to do things that I could not see yet. No matter what you're going through, if you're not through it yet, God's not done through it yet, with it yet. 2 Chronicles, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, our opening text again says, but thanks be to God who always, everybody say always, he always leads us. Everybody say he always leads us. He always leads us, and then the next word is, next phrase is in triumph, in victory, in Christ. And through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the, the fragrant fragrance of, and the, the knowledge of him. Notice it says he always leads us into places of victory. He, not sometimes. Not every once in a while. 
He leads us to places of triumph. He's always leading us. See, what that tells me is this, is that when we're dealing with difficult circumstances, the circumstances that we're looking at are not the end of the story. If God, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. And we should let that inspire our faith. Notice also it says, He leadeth us. If, I mean, if your situation, notice what it goes on to say. Notice it says, and makes everywhere the sweet fragrance. Everybody say sweet fragrance. You ever smelled a rotten fragrance? <laughs> we won't go there. But I got to tell you something. If your life stinks right now, or there's situations in your life that just stinketh, God is not done yet. He's not done yet. He's working behind the scenes. Notice what it says. He said it leads us in victory or to victory. So what that tells me is there are going to be times you're not in victory, but he's leading you to it. And if you'll just hang on to the truth that he's working behind the scenes, maybe doing something I cannot see, maybe doing something I can't understand. Why? Because he loves me and he's good. Then if I'll hang on to him, he's going to lead me out of this place to a place of victory. Can I get an amen this morning? Why can we say that? Because the Bible reassures us that your present, less than ideal circumstances are not your permanent circumstances. Everybody say, my present circumstance is not my permanent circumstance. Don't buy the lie that you're stuck in this and this is your destiny. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. There are going to be times in your life where it's hard. There are going to be times in your life where it looks like you're not winning. But if you'll hang on, there is joy coming. Tomorrow's coming. Morning's coming. Victory is right around the corner. How can I know that? I can tell you I can know that because God spoke to my heart yet. He said, if it ain't good yet, I ain't done yet. If you're looking at a mess, just rejoice. Not because you got a mess, but because God's still working. Amen. Notice John chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus replied, My Father is always working and so am I. Just because you can't see Him working doesn't mean He's not working. Just because you can't see what He's doing doesn't mean He's not doing. John chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Jesus replied, do you, not, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. See, just because you don't understand how to get out of this situation, you don't understand how it's going to change, you don't understand why it's taken so long, you don't understand any of those things. If you'll stick with him, what he says is, there'll come a day where it's evident that I was working, I was changing, I was doing, and you'll completely understand it. And those that stand by the wayside watching you, wondering if you're going to fail or stand, will recognize it as well. Just because you see the negative doesn't mean something positive isn't taking place. I'm going to say it again. Just because you see the negative doesn't mean that something positive isn't, isn't taking place. This was the case when the Arameans came to take Elisha. If you don't know that story, but Elisha, you know, uh, the, the Arameans were coming against Israel and the Arameans would put together this plan to go take out Israel and God would tell Elisha what was going on. 
what their plan was. And Elijah would send down to Israel what the plan was. And, and Israel would foil the plans of the Arameans. And the Arameans would get all mad. What's going on here? Well, finally the king figured out from somebody that Elisha was the one telling people. So the, king, the Aramean king said, you know what? I, 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 what I'm going to do then is I'm taking out Elisha. So he took him and his whole troops down to Elisha's house to capture him. And the servant came out and saw these soldiers coming and was terrified. And this is where we pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. You ever been there before? What are we going to do? The doctor's report says this. My checkbook says this. The bill says this. What are we going to do? 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 Verse 16, though, the prophet said, Don't be afraid. The prophet answered, Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw, his, saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And the enemy came down toward Elisha. Elisha prayed to the Lord and stri to strike the army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, and Elijah, as Elijah had asked. See, what the servant saw was not really what was going on. And just because you can't see something positive happen doesn't mean something positive isn't going on. Because God, as Jesus said, me and my Father, we're always working. We're always working. You see, you need, we need to take our eyes off the mess sometimes and turn our attention to the blessed sometimes. We need to take our eyes off of what we can see and open our spiritual eyes to what we cannot see with the natural eye. We need to focus our attention on the good end result that we're believing for instead of the negative circumstances that we're dealing with. We need to remind ourselves that weeping may endure for a night, oh, but joy, it cometh. Everybody say, joy's coming. Say it again, say, joy's coming. Listen, in my spirit, I hear it in the lives of some people here that are dealing with some things. Joy is coming to your circumstance. Joy is coming to your problem. Your mountain's about to be removed. We need to remind ourselves in times of frustration and discouragement when things aren't like what we hope for, that God is faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 says, God is faithful, He is reliable, trustworthy, and ever true to His promise. He can be depended on. Your present circumstance is not your permanent circumstance because the only thing in your circumstance that is permanent is His truth. And if you'll hold on to His truth, His truth will change your present circumstances. Numbers chapter 23 promises about the character of God. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Or has he spoken it, will he not make it good? If it's a promise in his word and you haven't seen it yet, hold on to it. Don't doubt the faithfulness of God. Now how do we practically do that? That's really what I want to get to to conclude this message. How do we practically not be moved from what we see? How do we move from that place of frustration and anger and discouragement where we feel like, man, when is this ever going to change? 
How do we move from that to that place of victory that God wants us walking in? First thing you got to do is you got to, you just got to settle in your heart. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9 and verse 18 says this. And notice we're not talking about not recognizing that there are present problems, right? That, that would be just living in a fantasy world. How many of you realize you got problems sometimes? And notice what Paul said here. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 18 says, for we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He says, we're pressed on every side. I got problems sometimes in my life, but I'm not going to be beat down. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be upset over it. Why? Because I'm not going to look at what I see with the natural eye. I'm going to look at the eternal things of God's word and Know that that truth is the thing that will prevail. Why? Because the word of the Lord will stand forever. Notice our example, Abraham. This is what he did in Romans chapter 4 and verse 19 says, And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. 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 Already dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Notice Abraham didn't consider his present situation. He didn't consider it. He ever considered something? What does that mean? Pondered it, thought about it. I mean, you realize when you're going through it, one of the favorite things of your mind to do is just to think about it and worry about it. Right? What it says Abraham did was, he said, I'm not going to consider that. I'm going to consider something else. What am I going to consider? If it ain't good yet, God ain't done yet. I'm going to consider that God's working behind the scenes to turn this situation into what I want it to be. Amen? It's okay to talk to God about your frustration, but very quickly turn your attention to the confession that says, I'm not, this is where I'm at, God, but I'm putting it down. I'm going to focus my attention on you. Everybody say this again. Say, if it ain't good yet, then God ain't done yet. Now, verse 20 leads me to the final thing I want to encourage you about this morning. Notice what verse 20 says. It says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Notice this last part, giving glory to God. If you're going to get through your circumstance that you're dealing with, sometimes you just have to let the shout of faith carry you through it. Abraham chose to use his voice and give glory to God that in spite of my situation, I am Abraham. I am the father of many nations, even though I don't have a child. God called me that, so I'm going to declare that to everybody around me. There comes a moment in time where you have to let the shout of faith carry you through. Everybody say shout of faith. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11 says this, But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout. Everybody say shout. Everybody shout, shout. That was a halfway shout. I want you to say shout from your very guttural being. Everybody on three. One, two, three. That was a shout, whoever did that over there. I'm going to do something here that the Spirit of God told me to do in this church. 
Notice what he said. He said, but let those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you, have, you, because you defend them. Let those who you love, who love your name, be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him with a shield. That verse says that there are times in our life where we have to shout. That, that word shout, it means this. Shout for joy it means to be overcome with joy and cry out with a ringing cry of victory. You ever been at a live football game? I mean, one that's really, I mean, down to the wire and they score in the last. I, I, I've done this in my living room before. How many of you got up and went, whoa, they scored, they scored. You ever done that for Jesus? Because what this verse says is there comes times when you're in that spiritual battle where you need to shout. A shout of victory. That's what God told Joshua and them to do. And when they circled the walls of Jericho, Joshua chapter 6 and verse 16 says, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the sea. Why didn't he say whisper? Why didn't he say just say? Because, you know, the dignified in the group would have been like, oh, that's coming. Let me tell you why he said to say shout. Because you can be uncommitted with a whisper. You can even be uncommitted with just saying it. But I got to tell you, when you take your whole being and you dig down deep and you say with the, from the bottom of your heart whatever it is you're thanking God for and you let it out, you cannot be anything but committed to that. Let me tell you a great story about that on a natural level. You know, so last year my daughter, um, she was a Duquette cheerleader for the JMU uh, football team and all the other things they did. So we went up, as good parents do, right, every single time she was at a home game and watched her do it. Well, I'd never cheered for the JMU Duke football team before. So they're all cheering around me, woo, and they scored, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Because I didn't know them. I wasn't emotionally invested in them. But after a couple of weeks, they began to have some success, and I began to get excited, and I began to, when they score touchdowns, go, yeah, that's great, right? And by the end of the year, when they're scoring, I'm going, whoa, baby, they scored! Why? Because I was committed. I wasn't uncommitted. I was all in. And sometimes God says, I want you to shout because there's something about a shout that cleans you out. He showed me as I was walking there that, son, there are times in your life where you need to be a one that shouts about your circumstance even though you don't feel like you're winning. You need to dig down to the bottom of your heart and say, bless God by Jesus' stripes. I believe that I'm healed. Bless God. I believe my needs are met. You need to let that shout out, that committed voice of faith rise within you and come out of you. Why? All right, I'll tell you why. Because if you stand there dignified and stoic, you'll become terrified, petrified, and putrefied instead of being dignified. What do I mean by that? You'll stand there all stoic, and in your mind, you may look like you have confidence but in your mind, in your, on the outside, but your mind's racing with worry and fret, and you're frozen, you're terrified about your situation. Petrified, you can't move, you don't know what to do. 
putrefied. It means it stinketh, right? You're going to start stinking like your circumstance look. It is. You ain't going to have the joy of the Lord on you. You're going to look like somebody sucked on lemons for 25 days. But there's something about a shout that, that sets you free. You say, well, that's just one verse. Why do I need to shout? You know, I'm just not the type of person to shout. Why do I need to shout? You know, sometimes you'd be better not asking why and just doing what he said. Amen. Why can you shout about your situation? Let me tell you one reason why. Because if it ain't good yet, he ain't done yet. Amen. The things in your life that you may be frustrated with, he's still working. His healing power is still flowing in you whether you can't see it or not. He's working behind the scenes to bring about your needs being met. He's working in your life to bring about satisfaction in your relationships. You may not see it yet, but by you following him, he's still working on it. Let me show you some verses. Now, I've got to tell you, our, our, our AV team had to work overtime this week. Because I'm just going to read to you the number of times God tells us we need to shout. Amen? Psalm 20 and verse 5. And this is just in the Psalms. Psalm 20 and verse 5. You guys ready to roll back there? McKinley, you ready? Because I'm going to roll through these. It's a lot of them. Is it okay to read the Bible in church? May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory. Well, we just read a verse that said, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Did we just hear of his victory? Then what should we do? We should shout, thank God I got the victory. Amen. We should shout. Some people wonder when we're worshiping God why some people in here shout because they got the victory. They saw something you ain't seen yet, maybe. Psalm 32 and verse 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright of heart. Are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? If you called upon Jesus, you are. Then his command to you is shout for joy. Get undignified. Quit being stoic. Quit being terrified, petrified, and mortified by your situation and make a choice to shout. You say, well, I'm embarrassed. Then find a corner, so i got to tell you. Find somewhere where you can shout. Find somewhere so that you can get comfortable. If you can't shout amongst God's people, there's a problem with that church. Why? Because the Scripture says we should do it. Oh, I can't believe they were so undid. David danced before the Lord in an ephod. Why? Verse 32, uh, Psalm 33, verse 11. I've got to keep moving or we'll never get through this. It's time to sing and shout for joy. Go ahead, all you redeemed ones. Go ahead, do it. Hey, there's one, thank God. That's just halfway, right? It's time to shout for joy. Go ahead, all you redeemed ones. Do it. Praise Him with all you have. For praise looks lovely on the lips of God's devoted. You want to stop looking like things are bad? Start shouting for joy. Psalm 35, verse 27. Let them all shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Lift your voice and shout that God's excited about prospering you. Psalm 59 and verse 16, but I will sing of your, thy power, yea, I will sing aloud. That word sing aloud is the same word used for shout that we've been looking at. 
So it would also be a perfect justice to say, I will shout of the mercies of thy mercies in the morning, for thou hast been the defense and my refuge in the day of trouble. i got to tell you, there may be times in your life where you wake up the rest of your household because you get up in the morning shouting the praises of God. I get up a little earlier sometimes in my family. i got to tell you, i got to go out on the back corner of my deck by my pool. Why? Because I realize sometimes it's time to shout and I don't want to wake my wife up. There's a time in our life where we need to shout in the morning. Verse, Psalm 63 and verse 17, Because you are my helper, I sing or shout for joy in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 71 and verse 23, My lips will shout for joy when I, when I sing praises to you. I mean, notice what it said, I'll shout for joy. You know, people come in here and praise and worship. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. It says, I'll shout for joy when I sing. Means I'm going to lift my voice. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I'm going to shout for joy with my praises. I'm not going to be dignified because I don't want to be petrified. I don't want to be terrified. I don't want to be mortified. I'm going to shout for joy. Psalm 81 and verse 1, sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Psalm 88 verse, 84 verse 2, I long, yes I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole, notice this, with my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Well, I'm just shouting in my mind. That's not what David said. I'm just shouting in my mind. not what David said. David said, with my soul and my body, I'm going I'm to get into it. I'm going to shout about spiritual touchdowns even before they happen. Amen? Verse Psalm 92, verse 4, no wonder I'm so glad. I can't keep it in. Lord, I can't keep it in. I can't keep it in, God. Lord, I'm shouting with glee over all you've done, for all you've done for me. He said, I'm shouting, I can't keep it in. Your relationship with God requires you to have shouts sometimes in it. Psalm 95 and verse 1, come on everyone, I, you hear him now, come on. You know, like, let's go, hokies. Jason just climbed underneath the table. Let's go. And then, they, yeah, what are they doing? Same thing David's doing. He said, Come on. Why is he saying that? Because I'm telling you something. This is not about emotionalism. As I was preparing this message, I said, Lord, I don't want to just get people hyped up. I want them to have something in their spiritual arsenal that you say we should have. It should absolutely be a part of who we are as believers. Look at how many times he said it, and I ain't done yet. Psalm 98, he says, verse 95, verse 1, Come on, everyone, let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praises, our loudest praises, our loudest. <laughs> Have you ever shouted your loudest yet to the Lord, ever? Psalm 98, verse 1, Go ahead, sing, you, sing a, your brand new song to the Lord. He is famous. Notice, why should we shout? He is famous for his miracles and marvels, for he is victorious through his mighty power and holy strength. He never forgets, he never forgets, he never forgets to show us his love and faithfulness. That tell, what does that tell me? That tells me if it ain't good yet, he ain't done yet. So go ahead, everyone, and shout out your praises with joy. Break out of the box. Some people need to break out of the box. That's just not me, break out of the box. 
Break out of the box and let loose with your most joyous sound of praise. Blow the trumpet and shofar. Shout with joyous triumph before King Yahweh. Look. Look what happened when you shout. Look, here he comes. Here he comes. Why do I know? How can I say how he's coming? Because he's still working even though I can't see it. Here he comes, the Lord and judge of all the earth. He's coming to make things right and do it fair and square, and everyone will see that he's do he does all things well. You ever been so frustrated? Well, Lord, I'm doing all I know to do. This ain't fair. Here he comes. Here he comes to make it right. Psalm 132, verse 9. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints... How many of you are believers in Jesus this morning? Can you... How many are believers? Then let your saints shout for joy. Psalm 145 and verse 7. We shout with ecstatic joy over your breakthrough for us. Think about the nation of Israel. Joshua, circling this city, you know, remember he said, shout for joy for the Lord has given you the city. Right? They're circling this walled city of Jericho seven times, and he says, shout, God's given you the city. Had he given them the city yet? Had the walls fallen yet? What would have happened if they said, well, why do we need to shout? Why can't I just be here confident that Jesus said he would do it? I, I'm trusting him. I, I, I'm, I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. Why, what would have happened if they'd have done that? Right? They would not have been doing what God said to do. And in these verses we're seeing, he says, shout for joy with ecstatic joy. They shouted before the walls fell. Verse 49, let true lovers break out in praise, sing out from wherever they're sitting, shout the highest praises of God. Isaiah 54 and verse 1, shout for joy, O barren one, bring forth into joyful shouting and rejoice. It says in Isaiah, Jeremiah 31 and verse 7, last one, oh yes, God says so, shout for joy at the top of your lungs. <laughs> That's pretty descriptive. That means we got to be willing to go, Hallelujah! Some people look at, what, what happened? What happened? Why'd you do that? Because I just figured out something my mind didn't figure out, but my spirit did, that if it ain't good yet, God ain't done yet! He's still working on it, and goodness is coming. I'd ask you a question this morning. We just read almost 20, over 20 verses about shouting. 20 verses, just in the Psalms and a couple other places. I'm going to ask you this honestly. How much shouting are you doing in your life? If he tells us over 20 times in Scripture that we should be doing it, then we should be doing it. Why? Well, I talked about some practical things, right? You, you whisper. You can be uncommitted and whisper. But you can't be when you shout. Some people say, well, I'm just the confident type that just stands silently before my, my mountains and believes God. I will tell you, there are some problems that won't leave until you shout them out. Why? 
Because I'm telling you, there are just some things in your life that are going to pop up. Maybe you haven't faced one yet, but I promise you, there are going to be things that pop up in your life that no matter how stoic and in faith you need to stand, your mind races. The busyness in the halls of your mind begins to just turn over and over and over again. And you're doing your best to stand in faith. And you're doing your best to believe. But when that happens, what he says is, in that moment, you need to stand up and shout in the halls of your life that God's word is true. The moment you do that shouting, it cleans out things in your life. There's something about a shout. I said it before. There's something about a shout that cleans you out. It's the spiritual x lax that we all need. I can joke. You know, I just try to make it real. But the reality is there life right now that are rolling around that are robbing you because they're little teeny foxes of doubt and unbelief and if you'll just take a few minutes to shout, shout till you start sweating. Shout till you run out of breath. Till you ain't got no more breath. Find some time to do it. If you can't find anywhere, get in your car, roll up the windows and just start shouting. People will just think you're singing to your favorite song. It don't matter. Just start shouting about what God says. When we worry and fret and the, the worry runs rampant in our mind, even though we're trying to stand, there has to come a point where you've got to just rise up and you've got to shout. Some people say, well, that's just not who I am. I'm just a person of quiet confidence. Well, I'm telling you, how many realize quiet confidence is important? And I'm not belittling quiet confidence. Because I will tell you this, when you get to the place where you shout and clean the situation out, things settle down, your mind gets quiet, and you can face your mountain with great quiet confidence. You can walk through any situation with the peace of mind knowing that everything is going to be all right. Musicians, as you come. Psalm chapter 62 and verse 1 and 2, verse 5 through 7. These verses I'm going to read here are not a contradiction to what I said. They're a progression to what I just said. Everybody say, not a contradiction. A progression I want you to notice this because David said this too he didn't just shout he said this I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him well it seems like a contradiction doesn't it it's not a contradiction it's a progression what he's saying is there are going to be times you need to shout and there are going to be times where you need to be quietly confident but don't let the, the, the fact that you've got to be quietly confident be the fact that you always got to be quietly confident because there are going to be times where you look, look like you're standing there in quiet confidence your mind is racing your problem's shouting through the halls of your life and you can't quiet your mind in those moments you've got to with the strength that you have lift your voice and shout to the Lord and it'll bring that confidence notice it says he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress while I will never be shaken let all them wait quietly before God for, he, for my hope is in him he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress where I will not be shaken my victory and honor comes from God alone he is my refuge a rock where no enemy can reach me there are places of quiet confidence that God wants to take us to but I will tell you this from experience 57 years old I'm just telling you and there's some older than me but I've learned this in my life and God reinforced this to me as I was walking through my vacation just saying Lord I'm frustrated I feel defeated. This is, not what I, I, this is not what I see in your word. There are times in your life where you need to become undignified and be willing to shout. Amen. You say, well, I can't do that in front of everybody. Start alone then. Get yourself, find a place, right? 
I tell you, we walked to the top of that mountain. We got caught in a thunderstorm yesterday. I mean, we were three quarters of the way up, and it was pouring down rain. I'm like, we're not gonna. I'm not going to turn back now. I gotta. I gotta see this waterfall. When I got to the top, I lifted my hands and went, "Woo! We made it!" Right? I shouted. Find some places where you can shout in your life. Amen. And if you do, God will bring you to this place of spiritual confidence and, and, and clean out your life to the point that you know Romans 8.28 is true. Notice what it says. It says, and we know that all things, all things, everybody say all things. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. A shout sometimes will bring you to a place where you really believe this and you're not fighting to believe it. Now I've got to tell you practicality, here it is. As I was praying about this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really big as a pastor saying, I don't want to whoop people into an emotional frenzy, right? Because emotionalism never helps anybody. It's just a moment of time and you're heightened and relief. Lord, if there's something in this for your people, what is it? And this is what I really felt like he said to me at the end of this message. Shouting needs to be a, spar a part of your spiritual arsenal. There needs to come moments in time in your life, maybe when no one's around, where you have to get bare and raw before God and, and, and the devil himself and your circumstances and shout the truth at it. You have to. There has to be moments of that. So here's what I really felt like. There may be some here that you've never done that. You've never done that. I can promise you, anytime you ever do anything you've never done, it feels uncomfortable the first time you've done it. Man, I got to tell you, I mean, it just feels uncomfortable. So I'm not going to put you say, oh, God, is he going to put us on the spot? And I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to yell in here today. If you never yell, I can do it. That ain't, that ain't on me. That's not my problem. If you want to shout, go ahead. Remember Buzz, when he first got here, he would worship, and you hear Buzz go, yes, during our worship. He said, that, that ain't bugging you. I said, no, I wish more people would do it. Why? Because Buzz is seeing something when he's looking into the face of Jesus. It causes him to want to shout. That's right. So you know what? I mean, if you ain't comfortable doing it, find a place. You need to, this is a tool. This is an actual spiritual tool. Some of your problems won't leave until you shout. Not because it's the shout, but because it's what it does on the inside of you. It moves you from a place of doubt and unbelief and uncommitted to a place of I'm in. I believe it. That settles it. God's word is true. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to close here. Stand to your feet with me. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always, everybody say always. Everybody shout always. Always. Thanks be unto God that always causes us to triumph and make manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Always means always. So what that tells me is if it ain't good yet, God ain't done yet. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.